0: You are listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit CanbyFoursquare.com to learn more. Well, good morning, Canby Foursquare. It's good to be with you. Uh, You can open your Bibles up to Mark chapter 2. That's where we are going today. Uh, after you get through the, uh, the ushers coming through, you can just begin to turn uh, to Mark chapter 2. We'll jump in in just a few minutes. Uh, for those who are new, we want to say welcome. Welcome to Canby Foursquare. We are glad to have you here. For those who are not new, welcome back. We are in a, in a series right now. Uh, Pastor Ron, he started us on family life. And he gave uh, three principles to family life, and then he threw me in here. And then next week, you get his remaining uh, four for a total of seven principles of family life. Uh, He put me in the middle to build the suspense, waiting for Pastor Ron. And speaking of Pastor Ron, uh, if you think about Pastor Ron this weekend, please pray for uh, Ron and Annette. They are down in California And they have uh, gotten away to go see a Dodgers game, as you can see here. And Ron and Annette, they left yesterday. And they are going back to Dodger Stadium to watch two games. And if you remember from Ron's story last week, this is the first date that him and Annette ever went on, I believe 41 years ago. And they're just back there uh, celebrating life and uh, taking some time off pastor ron preached all through the summer and he's just he just took a break today and uh, so you get pastor mark all right we are in a series on family life and today's sermon if you looked at uh, mark chapter 2 you might be thinking what does this have to do with family life Uh, and after the service you might think the same thing but ron gave me the message today and stepped away to L.A., so (laughs) here we are. Uh, As I think about family life and I think about uh, what it looks like in our family as when I was a young single guy that actually happened a long time ago and then into being uh, a husband and into being a dad and what has impacted my life, There is one message, well, there's a few of them, but there's one in particular uh, from Mark chapter 2 that has had a major impact in the way that I think about uh, life as a a disciple, as I think about uh, life with my family, uh, as a husband, as a dad, and it comes from Mark chapter 2, and today's message uh, we have titled, What... uh, We've titled it right here, What We Do Is What We Believe. And then I put down there, Family Life, so that you know it's a part of the Family Life series. Um, What we do is what we believe. And why I find this important is because when we look at the life of Jesus, what Jesus actually did, what he did in his day-to-day life... That he would go to the least of these. That he would go to the, the last, the lost, the marginalized. That Jesus would spend his life not only preaching and bringing the message, but actually living this out. This has a tremendous impact on the way that we think, uh, and the way that we live our lives, the way that we do things. For instance, um, I could talk all day long how I think a, a balanced diet and exercise are a great way to live our lives. That's a good idea, but if I miss a lot of days at the gym and you just see Mark down at Burgerville every single lunch or heading to Taco Bell, you might think, Mark, do you actually believe that a balanced diet and exercise is good for your life? Or another one I thought about, if I talk about how much Jesus is in love with the poor and how the Bible cares about the poor and the needy and the least of these, and you were to look at my life in the way that, if you were to maybe look in my garage or you look in my closet uh, and you see the stuff that I acquire, if you looked at my bank account, does that actually line up with what what I think is right? If Jesus says it's better to give than to receive, does my life actually look like that? Because what... What I do is actually what I believe. I could tell you Bible verses. I went to seminary. I learned how to say Bible verses to congregations. Uh, I could tell you a lot of things that I believe, but really, what I believe is what I do. So, we, as we get into this message, I want you to think about that. And today, we're going to look at uh, four characters in the Bible that uh, none of you probably know, well, none of you know their names. Uh, a lot of us don't look at the, in Mark chapter 2, when we talk about Bible heroes, we don't go, oh, Mark chapter 2, those four no-named people. Uh, no, what we do is we kind of make heroes out of, I want to be a Paul, I want to, you know, I want to be a Peter, I want to be one of the apostles, you know, they took, uh, they took the message of Jesus all the way to their death. We look back and, you know, Moses and Elijah and Elijah, and we look at these Key people, and we think, man, look at those heroes of the faith. What I have found interesting over my years of studying the Word is uh, the, the people in the middle. You know, we, we get really familiar with the 12, right? We, uh, the 12 disciples. We look at the kind of 13th disciple, uh, Paul, and we look at his missionary journeys, and we look at uh, a lot of these heroes that stand out, but... If we think about as Jesus went from town to town, serving in, in, different, in different towns and cities and areas, that Jesus met with a ton of people. That there were people that came and they were in the crowds and they actually believed. That Jesus, that yeah, he had an inner circle of 12, but we see uh, that uh, by his ascension that there was 120 and then there were greater that believed in him. And so I'm always interested What did faith look like for those that we don't don't see so often, we don't hear about? And today's story, we get a glimpse into that in Mark chapter 2. So if you could read along with me um, in your Bible or device. um, We also have it on the screen, I believe. Uh, I will read and then we will jump into this story. And And when he had returned to Capernaum... And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there and questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they questioned within themselves said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I am going to be honest with you this morning. This is one of those passages to me where I have to keep reminding myself, 35 minutes, Mark, 35 minutes. Uh, I, and, and you guys, you guys might uh, just be the first the first sermon, the first hearers of the sermon where I'm really excited. Uh, this sermon is, is in me. This is a sermon that I think about. This is uh, a passage that I, I deeply, deeply love. And I want to paint this picture for you guys that when we think about this passage, this is the scene that's going on. So in Jesus's ministry, we have uh, the gospel of Mark, and we know that there are Four Gospels or the Good News of Mark. It's four takes, four different perspectives on the life of Christ. Uh, we, have, we have Matthew, and he's, gonna, he's going to look towards the Jews. It's going to be a new law. His The book's broken up into five sections. It's going to remind uh, the New Testament believers of the law the torah the first five books of the bible and then we have uh mark who's most likely the first gospel and mark is this short uh, gospel that's uh uh it's fast it's only 16 chapters so if you want to get through it really quick you read mark uh you're going to feel a sense of urgency a repeated word is immediately and immediately people came out and immediately jesus went off and jesus is going in and out of the wilderness coming back into capernaum and he's, he's traveling around it has a sense of urgency and then uh Luke, it's, gonna, it's the only gospel written from a Gentile, not a Jew, uh, who's just, he's a physician, and he's writing an account of what's happened for another guy named Theophilus. And then John, it's just John, uh, where he's going to write to the whole world. John is writing to everyone, that they, and he's going to prove to them that Jesus has been in existence forever. Well, in Mark, right here, we have Mark, and this is the first half of Jesus' life, where this is the veiled Messiah. This is what... Uh, Jesus is going to heal people, and he's going to turn them away and say, don't tell people. Uh, People will come up, and demons uh, will come up and say, I know who you are. You're the Son of God, and he'll shush them. Uh, After healing people, he'll uh, say, don't spread the word, as if when you couldn't walk before, you're supposed to walk around and go, nothing happened. Nothing happened. My whole life I haven't been able to walk, but nothing happened. No, the word was spreading, but it was a timing issue. And then in Mark chapter 9, at the transfiguration where Jesus is there on the mount with Moses and Elijah, um, there's a transfiguration that happens. And then the rest of the book is the, is the, is the unveiled Messiah. He went from veiled Messiah to the unveiled Messiah. And this is taking place where there's just buzz in the air about Jesus. People know who he is. They're seeing signs and miracles. There's wonders happening. And so people hear about Jesus. So Jesus is going to go in and out from the wilderness into Capernaum, which is kind of his home station. And most likely it's a reference when it says he came back to his house. It's probably Peter's house. From chapter 1, verse 29, that we know that this is Peter's house. And this is probably where he set up camp. So here's the scene. Jesus is coming. Uh, he's uh, come back from traveling. There's a lot of hype around his name. People know who he is. There's uh, People are being healed. Uh, people are trying to keep it quiet, but they can't. He is known, and he comes in, and he's teaching, and it says that Jesus is preaching. Most likely, the message that he's always preaching, that's the kingdom of God, is nearer than you think. Jesus is preaching, and it's a sold-out crowd, right? Uh, there's the, the house is full. Most likely, these houses at the time held around 50 people or so, but the house is packed, so much so that Uh, The outside of the house, they're probably lined up at the windows, listening in. The door is open. And these are just small, clay-looking huts with a flat roof. And there's nobody getting in. And there's four friends. And all we see is we see these four dudes that grab their buddy, right? And they they have their friend on a stretcher, four on a corner. We know how this goes. Picks up, and they're going to take their friend to this house and think about the nuances that we don't see in the story did the friend want to go was this friend even interested what did they tell their friend what kind of friend is this they said hey dude you're a you're a paralytic I don't know what that means except for the fact that you can't walk. We, we don't know what, what he had, if uh, he was paralytic from birth. We don't know the situation. The story also occurs in Luke chapter 5. And these friends, they come to him and they say, there's a guy we got to get you to. Maybe this guy's heard about Jesus. Maybe he hasn't. Maybe this guy has tried some faith healers. Maybe... His whole life, he's been trying new medicines. He's been trying all the the natural remedies. Maybe he's gone to other faith healers. Maybe he's just tired. We don't know. Maybe he didn't even want to go. But you see these four friends and and classic good guy friends. They're like, yeah, I know you don't want to, but you're going to go. Come on. And they get him down here and they pick this guy up, and they bring him to this house. And can you imagine, four on each corner here, and they walk up to this house. They go, we know where to go. We know where to take this guy. We're desperate to get this guy here. And they show up, and it's packed out. They can't get in. They can't get through the door. They can't get to the window. It's packed. And this is where I, it's also important to know that not a lot's changed since the, since the Bible days. We think that we've really developed and grown, but it, we haven't. There's always that one guy in your guy friends. There's always the one guy that's like, man, I got an idea, the roof. There's always one. And what I find comfort is I'm that guy. I got this idea. We're gonna go through the roof. So these guys, think about this. They got their friend, and they're probably shimming up their friend's probably not compliant at this time. And he's kind of at the mercy of them because now he's being shimmied up on a roof. And in our minds, we kind of have this image that when when the guy's being let down, it looks like this. This is the picture that I have. It was just basically a first century elevator system. But this is not what it was like. These guys, they got on these flat roofs and their clay and their gridlocked, with, with uh, sticks and brush. They're not leaves like we think of. It's, it's hardened clay. And, and this is similar to a rooftop that uh, my family and I are familiar with from Southeast Asia that we've seen. And what you would do is you these guys would get down and they, there's an effort here. They are busting through this. They got to break through this roof and they're starting to peel back a roof this should amaze you in the story they are breaking through a roof tearing it apart piece by piece and when we slow down we just got to think what were these guys thinking what was their knowledge of jesus could they tell you their end times review could they tell you or their, their end times view on, uh, they're a pre-mill dispensationalist. Uh, did, could they tell you the, the, uh, the, the details of their Trinitarian theology? No. These guys are just desperate for Jesus. They actually believe him, who he says he is. They actually believe in the hype and they actually believe that if we can just get to him, I don't know what's going to happen, but if we can just get to him, Something will happen with our friend. And they're ripping the roof off. They're tearing this roof. Can you imagine Jesus in the room and all of a sudden just gravel, just bits of trees. I don't know what's in there. just starts falling down. And it's falling down on the, on the front. People are starting to look. And there's just a hole. And it's just breaking apart. This is an actual story, guys. This is happening. And then rips open a hole. I don't know how they lowered him down. They get this guy down. Can you imagine the homeowner? If anything, think about this as your house. Like, cool, Jesus is in your house, but somebody just ripped your roof off. This is a real event. They rip the roof off, and they lower him down. And Jesus, this is a great great event that happens. Jesus sees them. And I did my Greek homework over the weekend. I promise you I looked into the Greek and uh, studied this chapter well. And it, and it points to them and he says he sees their faith. Jesus says he sees their faith. And he says, sons, son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus just falls, this guy, you know, in the middle of our little congregation. Here he comes from the ceiling, and he comes down, and Jesus says, your sins, they're forgiven. Cool, but can you imagine the four that are like, this is awkward, that's great, we didn't come for his sins, it's his legs, Can you imagine the disappointment? What about the embarrassment of this guy? This is awkward. My friends brought me. I didn't even want to come. And this guy's telling me that my sins are forgiven. And Jesus, there's so much rich, rich teaching from this passage. He looks at him and says, Son, your sins are forgiven. And then we see in the, in the book, uh, in, in mainly in all the Gospels, but particularly in the book of Mark, what we always want to do, we want to identify with three groups of people. We want to identify with the, um, the religious leaders of the time with the disciples and the crowd. Those are three groups of people that you want to keep your eye on throughout the Gospels. Those are the ones that are um, that are kind of always in all the scenes, all the stories that are being told. Those are the ones that you've really got to keep your eye on and see what role that they're playing in the story. And in this one, we see that the religious leaders of the time, the scribes, they're looking on, and they're looking smug in the back, and we all know the type that, you know, This probably wasn't as big of a miracle that Jesus could tell that they didn't like him. Uh, You kind of see it on people's faces. And Jesus looks back, and he can tell in their hearts. Jesus sees in their hearts. And he says, I can tell that you guys don't like this. What's your deal? And he says, you speak blasphemy. Now, I got 30 minutes, so I got to be real careful here. I could slip off into it. Tangent here, but um, there's a lot of talk today in in uh, pop culture and rethinking Jesus. On you know, did Jesus ever really say that he was God? Man, he'd go away, and people would kind of say that he's the son of God and say, "Go away and watch your mouth." And did he ever really say he's God, guys? He said he was God. Right here from the beginning that what he is being blamed for, they don't even care what is happening, but he is doing things like God. He is forgiving sins. And in the Jewish system, that there's only one person that forgives sins, and that's God. And Jesus here is saying, son, your sins are forgiven. And he goes on and they said, this is blasphemy. This is ultimately why Jesus was killed. He wasn't killed because, you know, he, he ruffled some feathers politically or ruffled some feathers of, of, of kind of the, the religious norms of the time. He was killed because his claims to be God. That he goes, he talks in third person that the Son of Man, we see that he says that the Son of Man can, can forgive these sins. A reference back to Daniel where Daniel is referencing forward to him who will come. Jesus here, he is without any shame. He is saying, I am God. Everybody in the crowd knows exactly what is happening. Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to this man, rise up and walk, or to say your sins are forgiven. This, in this portion of the text, I picture Jesus you got to stay with me in the story, the loose interpretation. But I picture Jesus with a little bit of first century Jewish Jesus swagger. And he kind of has a little cheeky grin. And he looks and he's like, oh, you, you big dogs. You guys that are supposed to know everything about the law. You, you missionaries, you pastors, you seminarian graduates. Oh, you think you're smart, huh? Just to prove my point, um, hey, pick up your mat and walk pick up your mat and walk think about this scene any of you guys ever had a broken leg anybody broke their leg I broke my leg one time several places I was in a cast for seven months I had a cast all the way up to my thigh and I didn't think I was ever going to be able to walk again I was a bit dramatic uh, but just coming out of uh, a cast for seven months It takes a while. Think about this guy. He couldn't walk. Who knows how long? It's been a while. He's rising to his feet. Has he ever done that before? Is it from birth? He stands to his feet. People are looking. What is happening? And he begins to take his first step. Have Any of you guys have toddlers? You see kids learn how to walk? It takes a bit. This wasn't a fast process. We see it written down in real time. Oh, chapter two, chapter three, moving on. But these things took time. This guy stands to his feet. And he, he does what Jesus tells him to do. And he picks up his mat. And he just went from the guy that came from the hole in the ceiling, and he just walks through the crowd. He just walks into the, through the crowd and out the front door. And what's interesting about this story, friends, is that this guy came for a short-term fix. He wanted his legs to be healed. He came and said, Jesus, I have this apparent need, this immediate need. But Jesus first fixes an eternal problem. Before he heals a problem that he comes with, he says, I'll heal you eternally. Your sins are forgiven. The man walked in, a sinner, and he left a saint. He walked in and and he he was lowered in and he walked out of the room. And and there is so much rich teaching here on the God-man, Jesus. But what I want to draw our attention to is the faith of these four we read about this story, what would, we have, what would we have seen? What if these guys didn't have this kind of faith? What if these guys wouldn't have been those friends that picked up their friend and drug him to this, uh, this Jesus? What remi- this reminds me in our family life, when I think about a family life series, that this is sometimes all that I got. Pastor Ron asked me to teach on family life, this was the sermon that came to my mind. Because sometimes I don't have it together as a dad. Sometimes my kids' questions get really hard. Yeah, there's a talking snake in a tree. Why do you make a snake in a tree? Like, couldn't have figured it out a different way, and there's a flood, and it killed everybody, and, and Jesus is all powerful and all good, but there's eternal hell. Like, those questions get hard. I don't always have it together. I don't always have a pat answer. And I'm reminded by these four of pointing my kids to Jesus. As a husband, I don't always have it together. I don't know what to do. when It, when it gets really hard to love my wife as Christ loved the church. That's a tall order. And I don't know. There's, a, there's, there's hard stuff that comes up. There's... My, you know, just a year ago, my mother-in-law unexpectedly passed away and I sat there utterly useless seeing my wife just go through suffering. I didn't know what to do. The only thing that I have sometimes is to point to Jesus. I don't know what to do in this situation, but point to Jesus. I don't know what I can do for some of my friends that, that they don't seem to want to know about the claims of Christ. All I know that I can do is be desperate like these guys to get them to Jesus. These guys didn't have it all figured out. They didn't know all the right answers, but they knew who did have the right answers. All we got to do is get them to Jesus. And I want to encourage us this morning, church. Would we be desperate to see people come to Jesus? all the time I I'm that guy that sits on an airplane and I love to sit down next to somebody I I I, because I'm outgoing person and kind of naturally evangelistic I'll sit in my seat and I'll just sit there and I'll wonder who's gonna sit here who's gonna sit down and I'll sit down and like clockwork somebody will sit down and go oh what do you do (laughs) yeah Uh, Well, I was a former missionary when I went around telling people about Jesus in other countries, and now I'm a pastor. It's not not on the high end of the cool radar. (laughs) And I'll sit and I'll listen to people, and they will tell me about why they don't believe in God. And I'll say, oh, yeah, why don't you tell me about that? Tell me about this God that you don't believe in. Um, Well, I don't. I don't believe in a bigoted God, a God that hates this group of people and loves this group of people and pushes away these types of people. And I don't believe in a God that's like this and that. Sweet. Me neither. I don't believe in that God. But let me point you to my God. Let me point you to the Jesus of the New Testament. And I want you guys and the Jesus that's spoken of in the Old Um, I want you guys today to be encouraged in our family lives. We're all going through stuff. We're all going through struggle. We all have, there's, there's people in this room that you showed up to church today alone, and you're begging Jesus, God, I get tired of going to church alone. I'm praying for that spouse that they would come with me. Some of you, you have kids that man, Lord, I grew them up in the way of you, and it seems like they're not coming back. You're praying for your kids. Some of us, we just have life. Life's happening. And I would just beg you to keep coming into that relationship with Jesus. Keep pointing others to Jesus. You keep coming to Jesus. And Jesus might not on the surface be doing the the work that you think you need, but he's doing a greater work. He's continuing to say, your sins are forgiven. Uh, I would like for us to close uh, right now in prayer. And as we pray together, uh, just have a heart posture towards those that we're just saying, Jesus, would you, uh, we just want to continue to point this person to Jesus. There's somebody in our minds and our hearts. We want to continue just to point people to Jesus. Lord. We thank you for our family life series, God. We thank you for the things that as, as a family that we um, care about, that, uh, that we're passionate about, Lord, that you have uh, helped in our own personal families, Lord, with, um, with kids or with families or with um, friends or neighbors, Lord. We want to continue to be people who point people to you, Lord, would we be desperate for our friends, for our family members, for the kids, for our wives, for people in our lives to know you, Jesus? God, would we, like this For be desperate just to get people to you? God, would we be desperate in, in our maybe figurative or literal tearing off the roof to get people to you, Jesus? God, I pray that you would help give us a desperate heart for uh, having people to see who you really are. God, I thank you for Canby Foursquare. I thank you for this church. I thank you that um, there's some of the kindest, uh, just best humans I've ever met. Salt of the earth, Lord. And I pray that we would continue uh, to salt this earth with your name, Jesus, continuing to bring people into your presence. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you church, thank you for letting Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canby